Well, welcome once again. Uh, yes, this is Mom's Day, and we're here to uh, honor every mom that's here. Uh, and before I speak this morning, uh, I've asked Lynn Berry, a mom among us, if she would come and share with us uh, from her heart what being a mom means to her. Let's welcome Lynn as she comes. So being a mom means everything to me because ultimately being a mom is what led me to Christ. Almost 17 years ago when I had my first child, I looked at this little blob and I thought, am I really going to teach him that there's nothing out there? Because that's what I thought at the time. I wasn't a believer. And I looked at him and I thought, how am I going to tell him to do right when I had really no moral center? So... I went to a church, it became my home church, and I met Mrs. Orphan, who was the leader of a mom's group. And that's how God touched me, because he knew I liked to learn. So I learned that there's everything you can glean from Jesus and the Bible through parenting. And I was hooked. All I needed was to know that I, if I fed into my kids what God told me to feed into them, that I'd get the kind of kids I wanted. And that's what spoke to me. So God met me right where I was. So even just yesterday I was sharing at work and my coworker was complaining about her 16-year-old twins. She hated them, couldn't stand them. She didn't want to be around them. And I know her well and I know her unyielding parenting style. And I tried to share, and I just thought that's the kind of parent I was going to be. I know it. Before God came into my life, I was going to be her. I, you know, I'm a type A person. You know, you do it, you do it right, you get it done. And that's what my children taught me to be flexible. And God smacked me up the head a couple times and said, doesn't matter if it gets done. You know, so it was very eye-opening, even just yesterday, thinking about being a mom, that Christ has the answers. Amen. So I'm so thankful for that because it's changed the entire dynamic of my family. I really, my, my children tell me they respect me, which to every parent in the room, you know, it just fills my heart. That was the goal. Give respect, get respect. So that's what mom, being a mom really means to me. You know, I took a phrase um, from Mark Gregston. He's on Moody Radio on Saturday mornings. And he always says, "There's tell your children there's nothing they can do that would make you love them any more, and there's nothing they could do that would make you love them any less. And I say that all the time. And my kids, they, they eye roll and they <laughs> moan. And my, you know, my teenagers think it's so dorky. But I don't care because they go out into the real world and that's in their heart because they're going to screw up and they're going to be stupid. And just like God looks at us, his children, and that I look at my kids when they're sassy and cruddy and awesome and lovely, that the love is endless. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Lynn, uh, for coming and sharing with us this morning. 
Um, well, we are in a series, as Pastor Randy said a little bit ago, called Impact, talking about the impact of the Holy Spirit when he comes into our lives and then through our lives. But as we've been saying, this is also Mother's Day. So how do those two themes, the Holy Spirit and moms, how do those two come together? Well, I think they come together very beautifully. Uh, and we see this in the very first chapter of Luke's history of the church, the book of Acts. Uh, Luke tells us that after the resurrection of Jesus, he spent 40 days teaching his disciples that he was going to send them into the world to take the message of salvation, the message of Jesus. But then he gave them a very, very specific command. And he, he, he underscored this command. It's so important. Let me paraphrase it. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he basically says to them, don't even think about setting one foot outside the city of Jerusalem to fulfill this mission that I'm giving you. Don't even think about it until you have received the gift that my Father is going to send to you. And then he went on to describe that gift in some picturesque terminology. He took them back to the day when they went out into the Jordan River and John the Baptist took them and immersed them in the water. He submerged them. They came up out of that water totally drenched. And Jesus, using that word picture, said to them, just a few days from now, God the Father is going to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. He is going to immerse you. He is going to literally drench you inside and out in the third person of the Trinity. Now, that's getting a little theological there, but it's really important. So let me unpack that a second. What we said last week, and we say often here, is God is, he's, God is not in our three-dimensional world. We, we're locked into it, but God isn't. God, when we think of the person of God, God is a being who is three, one person, one being, but three persons existing for all of eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the role of the Holy Spirit for all of eternity in relationship with Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, his role for all of eternity has been to exalt and glorify and promote and uplift and throw the spotlight on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So it stands to reason. We can see why Jesus is saying, don't you guys set one big toe outside of this city to try to get this mission done until this gift, until the Spirit of God comes and fills you with his passion for Jesus. And the Spirit of God comes and fills you with his passion for the mission. Then you will have all the energy you need and more to go out into your communities, to go into your state, your nation, your world, and share boldly and with power the gospel that will change people's lives. Now the story goes on. After Jesus said this to them, he ascended into heaven right in front of their eyes. And the first thing they did immediately was they went to prayer. And Luke describes this prayer meeting beginning in chapter 1, verse 13. He begins by describing the names of the people, or some of the names of the people who were in that prayer meeting. He starts with the apostles. Uh, and let me, let me read it for you from the first chapter. Here he goes. 
verse 13, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. So obviously, these 12 men who had been with Jesus all these years, now the apostles, the foundation of the church, they're at this prayer meeting, but not just these men. Listen to what he goes on and says in verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, that, what we just read is a revolutionary statement. And we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit more about what, just how revolutionary that is in just a second. But we know from Luke in his gospel that when Jesus, during his three years of ministry, was, was carrying out his ministry, there was a group of women as well as the 12 disciples. There was a group of women who also followed him around. In fact, he refers to it in Luke chapter 8. He's, he, he calls them by name. He says, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and many other women who followed Jesus during his ministry. Now, in verse number 15 then, Luke goes on to say that as this prayer meeting took shape, there were about 120 that gathered, both men and women. And this is where the revolutionary part of this comes in. Because for centuries, women were literally erased from public life. Their roles, their opportunities, their abilities were dismissed, suppressed, denied. And so what Jesus is announcing here in the outpouring of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, this is not only the empowering day of the church for its mission, but this is also the greatest day of liberation for women that you can possibly imagine, the day of Pentecost. Now let's go on and read a little bit more. Ten days passed since Jesus ascended. And then came this feast called the Feast of Pentecost. The word Pentecost just means 50. The Feast of Pentecost was this harvest festival that the Jewish people celebrated every year. And what they would do, is it celebrated the beginning of the harvest. So they would go out into their fields and they would take some sheaves of grain and they would come into the temple area and all the people would begin to just wave those sheaves of grain, wave them before the Lord while they were praising and thanking him for the abundant harvest that they were about to reap because of his blessing. And what an appropriate day this was for this promise of the Father to be fulfilled when the mighty Holy Spirit was going to come down and empower the church, both men and women, to launch out into the, the harvest field of humanity and begin to reap into the kingdom of God. Men and women and boys and girls and teenagers and people of all races and creeds and tribes and tongues and take this gospel and spread it throughout the world in the power of the Holy Spirit, as they're doing it, giving, lifting up those people and, as, like those graves, uh, sheaves of grain and says, thanking God for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. 
So that was all, that's what, that's what was all launching on this day of Pentecost. Now, here's, what, here's how it happened. Let's read the description of the day. Luke gives it to us in, in verses 1 through 4. says it this way. When the day of Pentecost came, they, the men and the women, 120, were all together. They were still in prayer. They'd been praying probably for most of those 10 days. They were in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Imagine this, like a, the wind of a tornado comes in from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, in other languages that they had never learned, as the Spirit gave them the enablement to do this. Uh, People come running from all over, trying to figure out what is going on here. Some of the people thought, these guys are drunk. This is crazy. This is unheard of. And so in the midst of all this confusion, Peter stands up, and he gets their attention, and then Peter reaches all the way back about 900 years to about the year 850 B.C., to a prophet named Joel, who was one of the very earliest of the prophets that God sent to Israel, and he quotes from chapter 2 of Joel's prophecy. And here are Joel's words as quoted by Peter. He says this in chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days. What was happening on the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the last days. What does that mean? It means it's the age when the kingdom of God is going to begin to come, is going to be ushered into planet Earth. Someday it's going to culminate in the full-blown kingdom of God coming when Jesus comes again. But right now, we're living in the age just before the full manifestation of the kingdom of God. And that's our job, to be going out into the world and sharing this message of the kingdom. That's what the last days means. So in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Now, what does all incorporate? What does it mean? Well, it means all, okay? It means all the people of God. In the Old Testament, the, the spirit of God was poured out only on a handful of people, prophets. And you can, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, etc. But now he's saying this, the Spirit of God is going to be poured out upon all my people, and not just upon men, but upon women. And not just upon Jewish people, but upon all peoples of the world who come to know Christ. He, said, he goes on to elaborate. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, will become voices for God. Even your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And then he sums it up in verse 18. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So he's saying all my people of all ages, of all races, of all genders will be filled with my spirit. Now, there are three things I want to point out this morning based upon this foundation that I just laid. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit and the equality of women. Now, in January of this year, 
You remember there was a women's march on Washington. Hundreds of thousands of women boarded buses <laughs> all over the country and just flooded into Washington. And then across the world, in fact, in other cities of this nation, here in Chicago too, there were thousands and thousands of women that came together. And across the world, there were about 2.6 million women who on that day showed up. Why did they show up? What motivated them to spend all the money, get hotel rooms, board buses, fly, take time off of work? What motivated so many women? Well, I think they're looking for a voice. It's that quest for equality. Now, as Christians and people who hold to the values of God's word, there were certainly many things being advocated in the Women's March that clearly are outside of God's boundaries and things that we would not subscribe to. But you know what? Here's what I think. We as a church have got to do more than just react to those surface things that in, their, in the platform that was being advocated, we got to do more than just react to that and then, and then just forget about it. I would say we need to compassionately listen underneath. Okay, what's, what's, what, what are the aspirations? What are the deep motivations that are being expressed by hundreds of thousands of women in our world? And I think if we listen compassionately underneath the protest, the, agony, the anger, the speeches, Here's what we hear. Here's what we saw demonstrated, really. The desire to be valued as a woman whose equality and place and gifts and abilities sometimes are not valued in our world today and sadly sometimes are not even valued within the church of Jesus Christ. So there's a message here for women today. The day of the coming of the Spirit underscores the unique image of God expressed in women as well as in men. And we have to remember this, that the qualities we call feminine as well as the qualities that we call masculine both come from the same source. They come out of the nature of God. God, Genesis 1.26, God made them, and how did he make them? He made them male and female. And so everything, the wiring of a man that makes him manly and masculine, the wiring of a woman that makes her who she is with her unique qualities, all of those qualities, they inhere in the being and nature of God. That's where they came from. So would we consider that those Mother, or those feminine qualities that were so present in Eve uh, but came from God, would we, would we consider those qualities that are part of the nature of God that he gave to Eve to be secondary kinds of qualities? Absolutely not, because they come from God. So should we not equally value the qualities and gifts of womanhood with those of manhood, if their source is the one and same nature of God. So there is a theological foundation that is represented so beautifully on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to take all the gifts and the abilities of men and of women 
And I don't want any of those gifts and abilities in men or women to be obscured or suppressed or held down or held back. But I want to turn men and women loose with their gifts and abilities to do the work of God for the glory of God and as a witness to Jesus Christ on this earth. So, the Holy Spirit wants to power to empower women in all their creative gifts. And I think there's a new march that the Holy Spirit would like to lead. And this is the march that truly liberates women who are in Christ and who are allowing the Holy Spirit to take all that they are, shape it and mold it, and then have an impact in the world. I like what the writer J. Lee Grady says. He says this, Pentecost broke the gender barrier. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the inauguration of a completely new season in church history. God did a new and marvelous thing. He took the anointing oil that represents the Holy Spirit, that had been reserved only for Jewish priests of the tribe of Levi. And he poured it out on both men and women, young and old, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile. So, that's the Holy Spirit and the equality of women. Okay, there's a second thing here. It's the Holy Spirit and the influence of motherhood. You know, Luke makes special note that the mother of Jesus was present in this tremendous prayer meeting that day at the outpouring of the Spirit. He was honoring her and her important place. He didn't have to, he didn't have to insert that, but he did. There must be a significant reason why the Holy Spirit wanted Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, telling us something. And I think Luke more than any other of the New Testament writers, he fills in lots and lots of details about Mary. Uh, when the angel first appears to Mary in Luke chapter 1, his first words to Mary are these, you are highly favored with God. And then it's Luke who tells the story of how she became pregnant with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we have the whole birth story. Let me ask you this question. What do you suppose was going through Mary's mind as the Holy Spirit was poured out in that prayer meeting that day and all that was unfolding at that event? What was in her mind? Mary had a perspective in that room that nobody else had. Uh, what was it like for Mary when she was praying to Jesus having been his mom? Now, when we pray to Jesus, we do so because he is the Lord. He is our God, and that's how we pray to Jesus. But for Mary, she also accepted him as Lord, like we do. But she had also carried him in her womb for nine months. She had known him as a baby and a toddler and a boy and a teenager. And now that he's ascended, she can't see him anymore. But you know what? Her memories are still there, and she... Jesus was still her son and always will be. With love as only a mom can have for a child. And then Jesus, Mary saw him crucified. She saw him resurrected. She saw him ascend. And now 
she was experiencing this amazing immersion in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I couldn't help but think as I was sort of reflecting on that, if Mary didn't want to say something like this, wow, son, you outdid yourself today. That's my boy. <laughs> now, you probably won't read that in a theology book, but I don't think it's contrary to any theology because Mary was the mother of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying she's the mother of God, okay? I'm not going over there. But I am saying that when she was filled with the Holy Spirit that day, she, she thought about her relationship with Jesus as her son, you know, who took on human form and lived among us. And what a special relationship she had. So she was a very, very proud mother for sure. But all, I'm saying all that to underscore a point that I made before, but maybe from a, a little different angle, that the motherly, maternal, nurturing qualities of Mary and of all moms, as well as the fatherly, paternal qualities of fathers, flow from God whose nature includes all of those qualities. And we should not discriminate or say one is more valuable than the other. And this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And notice, notice how God is presenting himself here. Notice the qualities of God that he's, he's sharing. He's saying this, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God here is almost casting himself in the role, in, in the way that a, a mother feels toward a child. Uh, the compassion. So Mary represents all moms. And so I want to say to all the moms that are here today, remember that you are also highly favored. And may Mary be your example of a mom opening your heart to be filled with all that God has for you, to be filled with his Holy Spirit, so that no gift, no quality, no opportunity that God has for you and has intended for you will go unfulfilled in this life because God wants to, by his spirit, he wants to open up great doors. He wants to lead you forward. He wants to bring you into a great future. Nothing inside of you suppressed, but everything that God created you to be, to become a blessing, part of the mission that God has sent us, on to, or sent us all on to change this world. The third point is this, final point. And that's simply that the Holy Spirit and his response to prayer. Uh, the command of Jesus is that all followers pray to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Um, and I think sometimes when we come to Christ and we, we become followers of Christ, we sort of take this, we have this idea that, well, the power, well, okay, the power of the Spirit, that's all that I'm going to experience. It's, it's there. No, 
we can't be passive when it comes to this thing that we're talking about today. These disciples spent 10 days constantly praying, hungering and thirsting proactively for the Spirit of God to come and immerse them and empower them. And I believe that, and, and the New Testament teaches that we are to be filled and refilled, immersed and reimmersed in the Spirit of God. And so what the Holy Spirit did in your life a year ago or 10 years ago or whatever it might be is not sufficient for today. And so that's why we're calling our church next week, as we do periodically from time to time, to come together as a church family to seek and hunger and thirst and to invite the Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, the same mighty Spirit that we just read about, to come and do exactly that in the way He wants, adapted to us as a church, to come and fill us and immerse us with his amazing Holy Spirit. So that's next Sunday from 6 till 7.15 p.m. And we're just inviting families. We're, we'll have preschool care for children. Uh, we invite elementary age kids to come and be a part of that because we just read a moment ago that God wants to pour out his Spirit upon who? Our sons and our daughters. It's not just for adults either. It's for our children too. Uh, and so that's next Sunday evening, and I, I'm encouraging everyone in the church family, come and be a part of that time. It's going to be a great time. Uh, there are three action steps then we're going to wrap it up here with, and one is this. Men, value the work of the Spirit in your sisters as equals with you in the work of God. Number two, sons and daughters, honor your mother in the same way that the Holy Spirit does. And then number three, Calvary Church, pray for a fresh immersion in the Holy Spirit upon all of us, men and women alike. And then let me tie this in just as I wrap it up. I, as your pastor, uh, I'm going to be taking an action step myself right along these same lines. And so for the next two and a half weeks or so, I'm setting aside time to focus on exactly what I have been discussing here this morning. I'm going to set time aside where basically I am just seeking God. I'm clearing my calendar, uh, spend time hearing, listening to God over these next couple, couple half, two and a half weeks. And it's, it's sort of like Moses. You know, he took, time away f he took time away to go up on the mountain uh, just to meet with God. Now, I'm not going to be up on a mountain somewhere, <laughs> okay? And I'm not going out into a desert either, all right? But I am going to step away from my, my usual schedule. Uh, uh, I'm going to step away from the preaching for the next three weeks or so and, uh, and just let this be a time of focus. So I would ask that uh, concerns or issues that rise, uh, be sure to communicate those to the church office and those, and, 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 if, and anything of an emergency nature will definitely come to my attention. Uh, and, but beyond that, time of focus with God. So, and what I'm asking too is that all of us um, make this season in our church life a time of prayer and seeking God for that immersion 
in his divine presence uh, because we want to get the gospel outside the walls of our church. And the only energy in the universe that can make that happen is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you care about us and you love us so intensely and so deeply. And Lord, um, we're thankful that you are not a discriminating God, but you have poured out your spirit and desire to pour out your spirit upon men, upon women, upon young and old and everyone in between, upon all nationalities and all ethnicities, equally, Lord, equally. And we thank you that that is the expansiveness of your love, that you desire to shut no one out of the circle and out of the blessing of serving you and living for you and making you known. So, Father, I pray that this message will sink into our hearts and we will take encouragement from it and action based upon it. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.